Broadcast live from the centre of England, this is Waffle On About Spaced. Skip to the end. Welcome to Waffle On About Space. Uh, once again, as usual, it wouldn't be the same without him. Mr. Kelly, hello there. Hello there, I'm waving. Are you, he's waving. Uh, What's I'm that? Waving. It's half a He's waving. I don't know. He's waving. I'm going to wave in anyway, so if anyone... Well, no, unless, you, unless, someone, unless Street View's going past at the exact right time, no one would know about that. <laughs> Yes, so if anyone around the world looks stupid, you see me waving. That's what I'm doing it for. Yeah. <laughs> Not just waving to an empty room like a nutter. <laughs> just, just sitting there waving at people. Yeah, just Gosh. waving. Yeah. But we all do. I've done it many times for the TV, but no apparent reason. Yes, once again, we're recording via Skype. It seems to be our new medium. We've... Uh, We've gone and bought the uh, Pamela call recorder. Uh, well, I bought it. It used to loan me £7.50. Remember that tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. You're coming mad tomorrow, aren't you? So there we go. We could have recorded this tomorrow, but there yeah. you go. Just thinking about it. Yeah. As, as, as we're having the dinner. <laughs> yeah. What an interesting podcast. I, I, think, I think the other guests wouldn't, would be a little bit bemused. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think you're a good lady would be that bothered. <laughs> Uh, um, so yeah, here we are. We uh, we're doing space. We finally got round to it after uh, last week's debacle. Um, but we hope you enjoyed the leaders debate one that we put out. We've had uh, some good feedback from that, and um, we had a fantastic comment from Tim on Happy Times. We're not going to play the comment because uh, it was a political uh, comment, but a bloody good one. Uh, <laughs> and uh, who are for Tim? Um, so let's do some housekeeping. Uh, first of all, Kel, do you want to just say a little bit about the Facebook page? Well, but yeah, uh, I'm not the, probably the best person to talk about Facebook, am I really? But there you go, I will well, talk. You hate Facebook, don't you? I, I, I hate Facebook. But um, yeah, but we have got a Facebook group. If you want to go in there, I probably will never read it, but sorry, <laughs> you will. You will, and yeah. you'll tell me about it, and then I might have a look. So that's how it usually works. So go on there and just give me some abuse, because I'll never look at it. So there you go. No, no. I don't, well, I don't want to get, into, I don't want to get into the debate why I hate Facebook, because it'll probably take up three hours of the podcast. Yeah, and you'll so, probably offend quite a few people. I would offend quite, yeah, especially yeah. that one. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, we've got a Facebook page, as uh, Cal says. Uh, just type in Waffle On Podcast. Um, there's, I'm, at the moment, I'm setting up another one. Uh, that's an actual um, fan page. It's slightly different. It means I get to see statistics of who's going on it. But at the moment, ah, okay, you know, I've got too much to do sometimes. But uh, sign up to the Facebook page, and uh, hopefully we'll see you there. As usual on our Waffle On uh, at Podbean site, uh, leave us some comments there. Uh, there's a donate button as well. Press A if you fancy it. Uh, but we also would extremely like feedback on iTunes because uh, the more feedback we get from iTunes, um, the better our show goes up in the list of uh, of them saying, you know, we, we're getting a lot. And we have got a hell of a lot of listeners, quite a, quite a lot more than we thought, really, isn't it, Cal? Um, oh, bloody hell. Because when we started this, we thought that maybe like me, you may be our mates. Listen to it, didn't we? Yeah, I don't think a lot of our mates do listen to us. To be fair. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
that's true because we don't listen to their stuff either. The, <laughs> no, 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 no. The radio station, we don't even listen to that either, do we? So there you go. <laughs> no, no, uh, do you think that probably, that bored of us anyway, they've known us for 25 years, but there yeah. you go. Uh, thanks again for the feedback regarding the Holy Grail, our last uh, huge podcast that we do. We've got some brilliant stuff in there. And we got some thank yous, so I'm just going to read these out. These are to people who have uh, contributed to the show and left us comments. Uh, first of all, to Daria Sigma, thank you very much. Uh, Mr. Rick Moyer, as usual, uh, from the Taking Review podcast. Um, the Tamworth Pig, Mags1908, uh, they had both reviews on iTunes, thank you very much. And Slothian on iTunes, he's a young lad, apparently, Kel. We have a young listener. You have young people listening to this podcast. I know. I want to know more about you, Slothian. This is your opportunity to shine. Send us an email to waffleonpodcast.googlemail.com. Tell us about yourself, apart from the fact you come from Leicester, in which your stating is in the centre of England, which it is. Um, but Birmingham is more or less centre, which is ironic because, Cal, you're not in Birmingham. You're in Solihull, and I'm yeah. in Bromsgrove. <laughs> As we've talked about before, we were, we are the historic centre of England. Yeah. As in the Doomsday Book. Yeah. So there you, so there you go. And if um, the world does go slightly pear-shaped and the ice caps melt, Birmingham, the West Midlands and Worcestershire will actually be the centre of England because there won't be any England left apart from us. And, and the West Bromwich Albion football ground will be the Wembley of the world because it'll be the, it's the highest... It's the most uh, elevated football ground in Britain. Indeed, it is. Yeah, it's probably the highest yeah. they'll ever going to be. <laughs> yeah, it's the last, be the last one left in the in the apocalypse. It'll be the last football ground playing. So <laughs> uh, we also have an iTunes review of Leftist Last by Doctor Krell. Kel, what's your fact of Doctor Krell or Krell? Well, uh, did I, did I, have we done this? Bit? Is this like deja vu? Of uh, it is. But if you remember, we've already recorded Space the podcast. And balls it up. <laughs> so, ah, now I, now I get yeah right. In, well, Crow. Well, I don't know where he's got Crow. I don't know where he's got it from because I'm sure it's from a film from the eighties. But anyway, Motley Crew, when when they were like at their most excessive in the uh, mid eighties, Crow was their nickname for cocaine. So when they wanted their manager to go and get them some cocaine, they said, "Go and get me some Crow," so no one else would know what they were talking about. Ah. So he's either got it from that or from the film. If it's from the former. Fair play to you. Mm. You're being, being very honest. <laughs> well, the film would be Krull, not Krell. No, but I think, no, Krell is out of a film. Oh, is I it? Don't, I, I can't remember what it is. It's so, it is out of a film. Krell is some spice. Or is, it, is it out of June? I'm thinking that June, yeah, it could be. I'm not going to look it's, it up now because I've got no, too no, many windows open. Because <laughs> I, I love the film. I love June. I don't want to get into that debate about this. So we'll, well, we might so. do June, actually, because... Uh, uh, oh, that's another thing we should point out as well. Um, some of our shows in the forthcoming future years, um, people might turn around and say, well, that doesn't sound like it's a British show, such as Star Trek The Next Generation. Um, and the reason for that is, well, Patrick Stewart's in it, and you can't get much more British than Patrick Stewart. Uh, there's, a ten- there's a tenuous link to a British person in it. We'll talk about it. Hell yeah. Hell even, yeah. Even if this is drunk a cup of tea, we'll just talk about it because <laughs> he drunk a cup of tea, and that's British. It was old grey, you think. Yeah. Let's not let's let's not get pedantic. No, no, no. 
Pedantic. We should be waffle on pedantic. There we go. Um, yeah, so please do uh, add some iTunes reviews on there. Uh, it really would help us and uh, spread the word of waffle on. We've got a few new pro- uh, promos uh, coming out at the end of the show, so please do listen to them because uh, there could be something on there that you think, bloody hell, I didn't know there's a podcast about that. Um, the new ones coming up are Max Buffer and The Martians Are Here podcast, in which I'm slightly involved in, but we won't go into that. Uh, so, Let's crack. Anything else? Do you want to talk about anything else before we talk about Spaced? Um, oh, no. I've got a few things I want to talk about about telly, but we'll talk oh. about it at the end. Yeah, that's, that's fair enough. Okay, now, normally we'd play the theme tune to the program we're going to talk about, uh, but the great thing about Spaced is the music throughout the series uh, is just awesome. Um, yeah. they, they, they really do uh, pull the boat out on the songs. And also, Spaced doesn't actually have a theme tune. It tends to right. start off with a little bit of... Um, which is... Which... Which I think, weirdly, is common now. You know, I, you know, you think Lust has no theme tune. Yeah. Uh, really, no, it just has a, a thing with the titles come up, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, 24 doesn't have a theme tune. It's a very common thing to not, not to have a theme tune now. And I think Space was one of the first things I can remember watching that didn't have a theme tune. Yeah, 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 right there, yeah. Um, yeah, because all we get is the title card come up saying Space and almost some kind of strange ambient music for about five seconds and uh, that would be a bit rubbish um, to yeah. play on the podcast so what we're going to play and this is the uh, Staunton Lick as performed by Lemon Jelly and a quick fact here about Lemon Jelly uh, Lemon Jelly's Fred Deacon also designed some limited edition t-shirts for Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz which is a uh, pretty good isn't it really? yeah. uh, we're actually probably going to play I don't know how long I'm going to play the Staunton Lick for um, you might get the full version because personally I love it. I think it's uh, just an awesome song and it reminds me of my stag night because uh, this is the theme tune to the stag weekend DVD. <laughs> Which is cool. And uh, oh, before we play that, um, just like to say that this episode is for two people. Uh, this is for Stephanie Bigby, who uh, had a bit of an accident not long ago on a bike. And glad you're getting better, Stephanie. And a special shout out to Cheryl Huff. Cheryl, this episode is for you.
Okay, so that was the Staunton lick. Uh, great tune there, Cal. Great tune. Oh yeah, yeah. It, 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 you're right. As soon as that, I can imagine. I can just think of you being drunk out your skull. <laughs> yes, just, on a just, horse, just, 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 <laughs> surrounded by nuns and yes, Griff Freaks Jones. <laughs> and Griff Freaks Jones looking very miserable. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that was an awesome weekend. You don't get many weekends like that where you get to dress up as a as a cowboy, get surrounded by about twenty nuns. Oh <laughs> and, yeah, I forgot about them. And Griffith Jones. There you go. Um, so, the space. Now, before we go into our plethora of facts and trivia, we have a, a, a special guest who is going to give us a summary and uh, her, her opinion of this great show. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Joe Cummins from London. Hello, Meds and Kel and all at the Waffle On podcast. Uh, this is Joe here with my feedback on Spaced. I love this show and have a particular soft spot for it. For those that aren't familiar with it, it follows the adventures of Daisy, a wannabe journalist who hasn't quite got there yet, and Tim, an aspiring graphic artist who has just been dumped by his girlfriend. They meet in a cafe and discover they are both desperately looking for a place to live. After much searching, they come across an ad for a flat, but it states it's for a professional couple only. So Tim suggests that they pretend to be a couple to get the flat. This is the one thing they have to keep secret from Marsha, their landlady even though all their friends eventually end up knowing the truth. During series one, we're introduced to the other characters that surround Tim and Daisy's lives. Mike, Tim's childhood friend, who he often shares flashback sequences with. Twist, Daisy's fashion-obsessed friend. Brian, a struggling artist who lives in the downstairs flat. Marsha, who lives upstairs with her daughter. We also see two reoccurring characters, Tyres, Tim's biker courier mate, and Bilbo, Tim's manager at the comic book store where they work. Highlights from series one for me were the housewarming party, Daisy and her party dips, tinfoil decorations which she seems to go a bit mad with, and her job interview for Flaps magazine. The rescue of Colin the dog, and tyres in the clubbing episode, including Mike and his now infamous 18 dance moves. Daisy and her skill at avoiding work, and the articles that she eventually writes, including the classic bogling, is it the new tango? Series 2 highlights for me were Daisy returning from the trip to Asia and her newfound skills and the fight sequence that ensues in the pub. The misunderstanding with Oregano, slow motion fighting with invisible weapons and there's also a lovely parody of The Empire Strikes Back. I hope I've got that right. Tyres dancing at the traffic lights is also quite memorable. During series two, we find out a little bit more about Marsha's background through a conversation that she has with Daisy when she reminisces about her Olympic dreams as a runner. This sequence is subtle and poignant. As the conversation draws to a close, Marsha ponders what her life might have been like had she not been run over by her future husband and taken to the old Vino Collapso. Just as Marsha ponders this, the camera pans to her nearby TV, which is suddenly showing Marsha as a successful sports presenter. This sliding doors effect of what life might have been like is beautifully understated. Star Wars is one of many reoccurring references, and Tim's hatred of the Phantom Menace rears its head on many occasions. There are many other film parodies which are also fun to spot. It's such a well-written script, and the excellent direction by Edgar Wright was way ahead of its time. 
Spaced for me sums up the tail end of the golden era of comedy at Channel 4, which saw the likes of Father Ted, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, Smack the Pony, Black Books and many more great comedy shows pass through their doors. There have been rumours over the years of a space movie in the States, and many would love to see the series return, I'm sure. However, I think it should just stay as it is, two excellent series that stand the test of time. Everyone in the cast are wonderful, but Jessica Hines and Simon Pegg are indeed the stars of the show. The combination of their excellent script, brilliant performances as Daisy and Tim, along with Wright's almost musical direction, make this a series well worth investing in. Oi oi! Be lucky! Brilliant! Okay, so that was Joe. Kel, that was Joe. Joe? This is Kel. Kel, Joe. Awesome. <laughs> I'm waving. <laughs> yeah. Joe has, Joe has a, a thing for James May smoking pipes, though she doesn't smoke a pipe, but she thinks pipes are cool, and uh, the fifth doctor, Peter Davidson. Is it you? <laughs> no. <laughs> is this just a pseudonym? What? No, is, this I'm... A, is this a, a he, she? Is this your other self? No. Is that not you? Is it, is it you, really? <laughs> no. Is this why you keep going down to London? Is you working, working in Soho under another name? That's what it is. Yeah, well, yeah. That's, yeah. There you go. I'm going back down to London in August, but... Let's not go there. Yeah, the Great British Beer Festival. Great British Beer Festival, people. And, oh, by the way, uh, where's my rudeness, Cal? Happy St George's Day to you. I've got a St George's waving out my window. Oh, good man, good man, good man. I've bought a... a yeah, and to everyone, I'm not a Nazi. I just like <laughs> Excellent. Yes, yes, you can. You can fly the good St George's flag, the uh, the good old white and red cross there, without coming across as an absolute tool and a racist bigot. Now you can be proud to uh, to be English. Um, you don't have to be a bald head and be a bit of a... I'd like to t- see someone call an American who way, puts the stars and stripes out and call him a racist. You know what? I you tell know, you it'd, what. Never, it'd never be said, would it? It'd never no, be said. No. And, and before we get too much into this debated conversation, um, yeah. I love the way that in America that they have uh, have the uh, stars and stripes on flagpoles outside of... I don't know. Obviously, that not everybody has that on their house, but, you know, they're, they're always very proud to fly the flag. And so are the Scottish and the Welsh and the Irish, I should point out. It's only England where um, we're not allowed to. We want to, but our councils don't like it. Mmm. Bastards. Okay, so (laughs) let's crack on. We have a great English-British programme, Space. So uh, we might as well start the show. Uh, Space hit our screens on the 24th of September 1999. So it comes on just under, uh, three months under our our limit, and ran through two series uh, to the 13th of April 2001, a total of 14 episodes. Uh, Kel, uh, we've said this before, we can be quite honest with Waffleland and say that we, we didn't actually watch it from the first series. Oh no, no, no! We've got to be honest. We we didn't. I remember. I think a lot of it is, it was round about the time as well. We were going out quite a lot, weren't we, on a Friday and a Saturday. Mm. So you you know you you know you wasn't uh, you know looking for TV on a Friday, but it was our mate Woody who was the big watcher of that, wasn't he? Oh yeah. And he was yeah. the one who told us that we'd like it. And it's like when you start. Well, I I I'm gonna be honest. I didn't even watch the repeats. I just bought the DVDs because he told me to, and then realised what a complete. Spazza was not to watch him in the first place. <laughs> yeah, well, we were, we watched series two because um, we were living with each other at that point. Yeah. I remember us watching it on Channel Four, and then I think we went and bought the DVDs because uh, Woody said you've got to watch this, and that's when we watched. I watched season two, uh, series season, series yeah. two, um, 
And then I went out and bought, did, did, we both bought the DVDs, didn't we? That was a yeah, stupid thing to do, because we live with each other. Yeah, that was a very odd thing. Yeah, but, you know, when you, I don't know, me and you like our own stuff, though, don't we? Yeah, we do. do you know do what I mean? I, I like to own things. <laughs> Mine. I'm such a, pleasure. I'm such a capitalist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shame on you, sir. Slap yeah, that yeah. hand. Yeah. <laughs> you should be Marxist, you know that. Uh, um, yeah, uh, so, um, yeah, so we came, we came into space in the second series, and actually, I think, out of the two series, although the series are brilliant and you can watch them at time, I think the first series is the best out of the two. Oh, yeah, it is. I, I, def- I, I was going uh, to, I kept that because I, I didn't know how you were going to agree with that, but I think definitely, mm. I think it's funnier, it's tighter. Yeah. I like the, you know, second series is brilliant. It's just a bit more flabby, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've, we should point out that you may or you may not hear some clips throughout this episode. So if you suddenly hear Simon Pegg <laughs> popping uh, to yeah. the show, he hasn't just turned up. Uh, Quite clearly, he didn't read the Twitter that I sent him earlier on, Simon, just because you know in Hollywood, git, uh, um, or Nick Frost, but there you go. But yeah, so you might hear clips throughout this. Uh, I did collect a load of them, and I kind of admit, I caught the majority of the clips from season, uh, Series 1, because uh, Series 2 was really a little bit more about the fact that Marsha finds out, well, we'll explain it a bit more as we go on, but it was a bit more... You know, than trying to get back into the flat routine, wasn't it, really? Yeah, yeah. No, like, like I said, absolutely brilliant. It's just that the, you know, the first one, I don't know, it, it, it just, it's just fun. It's, so I think it's funnier as well, isn't it? It's funnier. Yeah, yeah. It is funnier, isn't it? And, I, you know, and I think, I don't know, just the whole, I don't it's just, like I say, it's just tight and lean and meaner, isn't it? It just, and I think because of the second one, you know what you're getting from the first one. They had to try and up, you know, that's tried try and up that, didn't they? Mm. More film references, you know, more effects, more camera moves, more mu- And yeah. I think sometimes less is less is more, isn't it? That's it. Uh, can I just tighter, leaner, meaner? Leaner, yeah. Where did you get that from? I've got no idea. It's coming to me then. It was good. I like it. That's your I new catchphrase. Yeah, I don't know where that comes from. That, uh, you know, weirdly. What, what have you been? What have you been know. watching? Have you I been watching? Know. Have you been watching that reference that you talked about yesterday at work? Oh no, no, uh, no, we have, no. <laughs> no, I don't think we should talk about that. Think about that. <laughs> I have thought about that, and I was talking to my girlfriend about that last night. She says I wouldn't talk about that. You come no, across. no, no, I no. Thought, so we'll leave that. No, yeah. that. This is only between me and you. No one can send any emails asking us to talk about next podcast. It's not going to happen. No, it isn't. But tighter, leaner, meaner, could well be (laughs) the name of it. (laughs) I don't know where I got that from. Weird, isn't it? Good. Okay. Uh, Written by Simon Pegg and Jessica Stevenson. uh, Now known. Now known. No, now known. Um, Jessica Stevenson, now known as Jessica Hines. And directed by Edgar Wright. Now, um, Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright have gone on to write uh, where a lot of other people probably recognise them from. uh, From Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and at the moment, The World's End. Uh, This... The World's End, will be the third of what is known as the Cornetto Trilogy. Kel, do you want to just say what the Cornetto, Cornetto Trilogy means? Well, basically, in every well, in every film, in the both films that have done so far, Shaun of the Dead mm-hmm. and in Hot Fuzz, they both eat Cornettos. Yeah. In Shaun of the Dead, that's what he has to go to the shop when the zombie apocalypse is, get me a Cornetto. That's and it. In the and in the second one, it's where they're sitting in the car and he has to drive away and he eats it quick and gets brain freeze. <laughs> Hooray for brain freeze. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the uh, the third one with the Cornetto Trilogy. Whether, whether that means uh, they won't be doing any more, I, I find hard to believe. What's I, the I think... one they're doing about the, the alien? The one they're doing about alien? I shall talk about that later on. <laughs> oh. Oh. Uh, Jessica went on to write Learners, uh, starring yeah. the now ex-Time Lord David Tennant. 
Um, I didn't see that, did you? Nah. Nah. Um, she's recently wrote Lizzie and Sarah, which was uh, co-written by the wonderful Julia Davis, and uh, that's out this year, and also stars two old space actors, Mark Heap and Kevin Eldon. Um, before we go into the, 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 the details a little bit about the characters and, and some scenes and all this, because like everything, we, we could go into too, way too much detail and we haven't got time for it, but um, what do you think is the, the thing that's the importance of space? How important is space? What in the in the in the in comedy or in for personal? In, uh, I'd say comedy and then personally. I think comedy. It, it was the first time I think we tried to do, do in this country. Tried to do a really zippy pop culture comedy because we mm. haven't really done that. Our comedy, you know, I will. I, I very rarely be, you know, but I say I think we make the best comedy in the world. Mm. And I think before that, it was it was of a type, wasn't it? Yeah. Only Fools and Horses that we love. Anyone who says that Only Fools and Horses is rubbish is wrong. Because we've talked about this before, haven't we? It's yeah. Just wrong. You know, great comedies, Only Fools and Horses, Blackadder, Forty Towers, bloody bloody. But they're all really the same basic, the same kind of thing, aren't they? Yeah. About families in situations. It, where, well, it is it is the situation comedy that's good. Yeah, that's it. You know, I, I would say because I do love, I've brought up on sitcoms and I really love them. But that was the first time we'd sort of comedy that it wasn't for, it wasn't for your mum and dad. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't for, you know, it wasn't for families. It, it was for, for younger people mm. who were living that life of being on the outs, you know, being on the outskirts of society, but not complete, you know, not completely isolated, but just a bit different, a little mm. bit different, a little bit alternative, but not completely, but still working. But not, you know, just it was just the first thing we'd saw. And I think now it's quite common. But I think for comedy then, there weren't, no, there weren't anything like that then. I was going to say, no, there's nothing like that, but that's really bad English. There wasn't, any, <laughs> there, wasn't, there wasn't anything like that then. But now it's seen as it is common. But uh, that's what I think. I think it was like, like I'm saying, it was just a complete new type of comedy in Britain. And I think that's why it wasn't, it wasn't madly popular when it first came out, was it? No, no. Yeah, like now, it, it's common knowledge, and I think it'd be quite big if it come on now, but then it was completely different. It was a very Channel 4 comedy. Yeah, so. it was like when Channel 4 was uh, at the height of their com- Friday night comedy. I mean, uh, Father Ted was playing at that point. Um, so it was really in the stronghold of, of good comedy. Uh, of course, later on, you, you started to get black books um, came on. Uh, for me, I, I think Spaced is the ultimate of pop culture in comedy. It, uh, it, it's, it breathes life to the younger generation, I think, uh, especially at our age, which is obviously this is 1999, uh, 2000. So you're looking at 10 years ago. Um, we were in our mid twenties at that point. And so were the characters in this. So yeah. we were watching us to a certain, to a certain degree. And I've, I've always not, and I'm not going to say that I, you know, I was exactly like Tim Bisley, but I relate so much to Simon Pegg's character of Tim Bisley. Um, it was ridiculous. I wore the exact same clothes as he did. I dyed my hair blonde, not not because he did, but I did that before. To be fair, I did that in ninety. What was it five? Something like that. Go yeah, on. Was, was that? Painful. Um, we did skateboarding very badly. Um, we was madly into comics and gaming. Uh, the the big thing about space is he's got a PS one. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. The most the two prominent games in space is Resident Evil, the first one, and uh, I think it's uh, Street Fighter. Yeah, he's Daisy Stainer or Wims. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was exactly what we were doing. When we got home from the night out, we, we'd, we'd both get the PlayStation on, have a game of probably, 
what was it, NBA Sports or that hockey yeah, one? Yeah. I was shit at. Um, time, oh, God. And, and uh, John Madden's um, football. Yeah, yeah, but John Madden. <laughs> um, but we'd, we'd, we'd play games. We'd also get down the pool as well. And there's also an, an honest approach towards um, going out culture. There was the honest approach to going to the pub and also drug culture as well. I know you wanted to talk about that, so, so, um, so go for yeah. it. Well, from the, the, especially the government and the, the BBC, especially because space never would have been on the BBC. No. There's just no way they ever would have allowed it because drugs in it were, were normal, like going to the pub, having a joint or having a spliff, whatever you want to call it, was exactly the same as going to the pub or having a cup of tea, like that classic Noel Gallagher saying, remember that at the time? Yeah. To most people, it's like having a cup of tea. And it's true, it's not a big thing. There wasn't junkies. It's just what they did when mm. they stopped in the house. They'd put a film on or play the games and have a joint and watch it. And it wasn't seen as a big thing. There was, you know, Daisy didn't really do it in it. Did she have the odd one? But, it, you know, it wasn't a big thing. And I think that was the first time I'd saw it. I thought, oh, my God. Because before that, if they would have put, talked about drugs, there would have had to have been bad characters. Yeah. It couldn't have, it couldn't have been positive on TV before Spaced. And been positive in soap operas, they were the bad people. Mm. And that was the first time I'd saw that. I thought, oh, well, yeah, they're living, you know, that is like most people I, uh, we know. Yeah. And still is. And still is. And still is. Oh, still is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, the, you know, there's a for certain type of people, this is their lives. Having a joint, having a drink, playing mm-hmm. a game, chintella, you can be 25 or you can be 55. You know, and it, it, these people exist. And I think that was the first, I think they realised that. And they're right. Now, there's a lot of people who were going to really think, oh, but yeah, that's my life, that is. Yeah, and as you say, the age graphic there, it doesn't matter because, it, yeah. as you say, you got 25 to up to 50. And, it, and it, this is what people do. I'm, I'm 37 this year. Yeah, I still collect comics and, and, and like, collectibles of figures and DVDs and games. And you're exactly the same. Um, probably more so because, I mean, you, you get to go to the cinema a lot more than me, obviously, because I've got a daughter, you know, eight-month-old, so I don't get it out. But we, we still live that kind of life to a certain degree. And I, I think I think because of our generation, the, the Generation X um, generation category X, that we are, uh, I think we will always be that because I think me and you have said this many a time that we both still dress like we did 20-odd years ago, still like the same music we did then. Um, we've obviously taken into uh, okay modern day changes and modern day new music coming out, and I, I tend to get all my music from you anyway because you tell me what the new stuff's coming out. But it's still that youthful kind of attitude, and, and that's what I still think is the reason why Spaced can be watched now and still has a good, you know, a good effect. I think it stays. It does. It is slightly dated, uh, yeah, only the- because of um, stuff like the PS One. Uh, dates it slightly. Yeah, I, I think I think some of the, especially in the second series when they were really experimenting with the cameras. Mm. I think some of the camera movements, like the swish and all that. Yeah, it, it does look a bit. Da- I think, like I said, I've told you before, I'm not a big fan of all that. But you like that because you like that. What's that? What's that? Scrubs. Scrubs. It's yeah. all like that, isn't it? I think Scrubs is. He's quite similar to that. I'd love to know the person who did Scrubs. I bet he was a fan of Spice. I, I think I think so as well. I can tell you was, because the way they would jump out into fantasy scenes and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but yeah, not, definitely, yeah. You know what I mean? But I'm not a massive fan of that. But I think that dates it a little bit. But it's not like, you know, it's not like watching a bloody Paul Greengrass bloody film, is it? Where all over the bloody place. Oh, no, no. But, um, <laughs> but you know, 
you know, every comedy is going to be, you know, we, we, we talk about Only Falls and Horses, one of the greatest comedies of all time. Some of that is really bloody dated. Oh, yeah. It doesn't stop you, it doesn't stop you bloody watching it, though, does it? Oh, no. It's funny you saying that, actually. I, I, I went and did the, uh, <laughs> the shopping earlier on. And uh, I was in Asda, and I had a quick look around the, uh, the uh, Xbox games and, uh, and just seeing if um, there's any DVDs I could probably sneak into the shopping trolley without yeah. the wife knowing. Uh, I was going to get the, uh, oh, oh, blank. Uh, the men who saw goats. Oh, the men who stare at goats. The men who stare at goats. I was going to get that because it was only a tenner. Uh, but then I, I turned around and looked, and in a massive box that was every single Only Falls and Horses episode for 80 quid. Ooh. I know, yeah, I know. But I don't know. I need to do some research because I don't... They're the re-edited ones. Uh, you know what? I think they are, but I don't think you're going to get around that because the BBC won't pay for... The, we should explain that uh, Only Fools and Horses used when it was originally broadcast original songs they didn't use um, re- uh, redone versions of songs yeah, yeah. they actually used the original versions but because they was okay to play that on television but when you come to out of marketing sales you need to get permission and I think there's that many songs in it they couldn't do it so they slightly edit it by um, taking the songs out and then putting like background songs in I'm not too sure about the political content because there are times in, uh, just going slightly off track here, in Only Falls and Horses, they'll say, oh, uh, which yeah. a lot of people used to and say, if there was a, an Asian shop down the road, it would generally be called the Packy Shop. That's what, shop it, that's what it was called. And I think the BBC have cut some of that stuff out, and I think it's a shame because it's a, t- it's a product of its time, and you, you, can't, you wouldn't go back and, uh, you know, and, and cut, if you had a history book and you thought, well, actually, what Hitler did to the Jews was really bad, but let's cut it out of the book because we don't want anyone to know about that. You wouldn't do it, would you? You know, yeah, that's well, very well, today for isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Also, what you wouldn't do either. I think someone might have done it. Well, you wouldn't go back to a film and, and edit all the cigarettes out of it. Mr. Yeah, or, Spielberg, if or, you listen yeah. to our podcast, unlikely. Yeah. But Spielberg, how dare you edit? E.T. by having them taking the guns out and holding them walkie-talkie. And for a start, I don't like E.T. anyway. When I saw E.T. at the cinema, I actually asked my mum if I could leave, and she asked me why. And I said, I don't particularly like the direction of this film. How old was I? About 10. Wow, precocious was I. <laughs> That's right, but it's right, though. It's the most edited film. Oh, I tell you, no, the worst. We've got to talk about ITV editing of films and that were brilliant, weren't it? <laughs> But Die Hard, we've been watching Die Hard. You can go, yeah! You must have you. <laughs> and, you remember another 48 hours as well, where the oh, poster was having his finger off and they edited the finger out. Yeah. She's just waving his fist in the air. Oh, oh dear, man. Anyway, back onto space. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, Simon Pegg played uh, Team Beasley. Okay, um, you're born in Highgate to John and Gillian Bisley on 17th of September 1974. Right. Uh, you've got a little sister called Katie who once used all your Batman comics to decorate her cardboard car. Unable to salvage the comics, you drove the car into the pond, hitting your head on the concrete fountain, which is where you got your scar. Um, you've got a best friend called Mike who's a weapons expert. Yes! Uh, yeah. You have a potentially fatal allergy to Christmas. Yes, I have no memory of Christmas 1979. Mind you, I've got no memory of Christmas 1994 either. Oh, why not? I don't know. Right. Um, you're an aspiring graphic artist, and you hope one day to work for Dark, Dark Star, Star Comics. Comics. Um, your work today includes a sleeve design for your sister's boyfriend's brother's band. You supplement the 50 quid that you got from that by working part-time in a comic shop called Fantasy Bazaar. Yeah, I'm the assistant manager. Oh, how many people work for you? Uh, it's just me and Bilbo. Who's Bilbo? He's the manager. 
You're not one of those sci-fi nerds, are you? No. You don't spend your evening on the internet discussing symbolism and the X-Files. Look, modern science fiction can be pretty interesting. The thoughts and speculations of our contemporary authors and thinkers have probably never been closer to the truth. Right, um, your preferred mode of transport is skateboarding. Um, you like music, clubbing and regularly masturbate over images of Gillian Anderson. Who told you that? <laughs> it was a joke. Yeah, well, FHM voted her most sexy woman in the world in 1996. What about you? I wasn't played. <sighs> you recently split up with your girlfriend who got off with a friend of yours called Dwayne. He's not my friend. All right, well, we don't need to talk about that. I mean, we can if you want, because uh, obviously hit you hard. No. You prefer um, a tight-legged cotton pant as opposed to the boxer. But is all this really necessary? Well, yes. What if I asked a number of intimate personal questions? We're supposed to be a couple. Uh, Tim Busy was a, a mid-twenties uh, comic book aspiring artist who uh, works for Bilbo in the local comedy shop, played by uh, by Bill Bailey. And uh, he's a little bit... He, he ends up basically with space. He ends up splitting up from his girlfriend, and that's how he ends up sharing a flat with Daisy. Uh, Daisy Steiner played by Jessica Hines. Come on, do me. OK, you were born in Richmond in 1975 to Ben and Emily Steiner. You have a brother and a sister, older and younger respectively. Yep. Uh, you graduated from Kingston Poly. University. Whatever, in 1996, with a degree in humanities for which you received a third. Which is fine. This is what I expected to get. Michelle from EastEnders got a third. Did you know that? Anyway, it's not the grade that matters, it's being there that counts. Okay. You have a boyfriend called Richard who's studying in Hull. Hull. Oh, Hull. Uh, but we're not going to mention him. Uh, you want to be a journalist, but you haven't quite tried that yet. And uh, your best friend's called Twist, and she works in fashion. Uh, yeah. Uh, you've got no skincare routine to speak of. You're scared of mice and spiders, but oh, so much greater is your fear that one day the two species will crossbreed to form an all-powerful race of mice spiders who will immobilise human beings in giant webs in order to steal cheese. I never said that. Yeah, that'd be good, though, wouldn't it? I know. All right, that's it. Oh, I'm by the way, my name's Daisy. All right, I'm Tim. Hi. The other characters in it was Marsha Klein, played by Julia Deakin. Cal, your thoughts of uh, Marsha? Brilliant character. Yeah. I, 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 I think, basically, she's the anchor what all the, the, the sitcoms about, isn't it? She's, she's the responsible one in it, really. Even though you think she isn't, you think she's unloving and you think she's an alcoholic and bloody blah, blah, but she isn't. She runs the house. She's got a daughter who loves her. And I think she's a really important, you know, I'd say an integral part of the story. Yeah. Like the way in Only Falls, going back to that, like the way they had to have an Uncle Albert or they had to have a granddad figure in, didn't they? Yeah. There was like someone that were all around. And I think with Martha, it was Martha, wasn't it? I really think so, anyway. Oh, I 100% agree with you, yeah. I wonder if you play by Julia Deacon, who actually came up with her, her voice on the day that she turned up. Julia was also in Heart Fuzz. She played the barmaid uh, in, uh, in in Heart Fuzz. Um, other character, uh, Mike Watt, uh, was played by Simon Pegg's best friend. Uh, they used to live with each other. Nick Frost. Now, Mr. Watt, as you know, we're here today to ascertain whether or not you're ready to rejoin the Territorial Army. Yes. First of all, it's important for us to establish that you yourself understand the reasons for your original suspension. I do, sir. Go on. In 1994, while on weekend manoeuvres in France, I commandeered a chieftain tank without the permission of my immediate superiors. I then attempted to invade Paris. However, en route, I stopped off at Disneyland, or Euro Disney as it was then called, and was subsequently apprehended on Space Mountain. Do you have any explanation as to why you might have done this? 
Also, at the time, I was suffering serious emotional problems that were clearly affecting my judgment. I'd immersed myself in a fantasy world of my own creation, and as a result, I became very insular and uncommunicative. And why do you think that was? Uh, Cal, uh, the Mike character. To be honest, I think if you look back at the, on the Mike character, you, you added it all. Added it. That's really bad. You added it all up. <laughs> he's hardly in it, really, is he? No. That's, that's the interesting thing about that. But his character's so good, and he's so good in it. You think, oh, he's in it loads, and sometimes he might be only in it for a couple of minutes. Yeah, you know, and he doesn't, he doesn't say an awful lot of lines. No, I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't do a lot. No. Right, his main scene is, is the paintballing scene. Yeah. That's his main scene in all them two series, is that one. And then you think, well, and you, you know, when I watched it recently, because we talked about watching it, I thought, mm-hmm. yeah, he's probably had it up. He's probably even in it half an hour, he's had it all up. But he's so good in it, from an untrained actor, he's so good in it. He just sort of steals the show, even though he's hardly in it. And I think that shows what a natural comedy talent he he was or is yeah definitely 100% agree with you uh, I mean at the time uh, uh, Simon Pegg and uh, uh, Nick Foss were living with each other they actually have identical tattoos on their arms a little circle oh. which are, yeah yeah if you, you see it um you see in Spaced, because when they're doing the Robot Wars one, you can see their tattoos. And you see briefly in uh, Hot Fuzz, but you don't see them on Simon Pegg's, you only see Nick Frost. Uh, that Nick Frost was working at a restaurant at the time, uh, although he had appeared in a couple of episodes before Spaced, uh, which I'll come on to uh, later on. But yeah, to- totally untrained. And the character of Mike Watt was something uh, Nick Frost had come up with, though he was a, a slightly older version the the original character was and i think nick's um nick's portrayal of him he's he's almost because he kind of needs tim beasley doesn't he he's kind of like a lost little boy i mean he's in he wanted to be in the army but he couldn't be in the army because of an accident where uh tim and mike were sitting on a treetop and tim dared him to jump off and uh and had an accident by (laughs) having these retinas detached which i think think he's awesome he couldn't get in the army because his retinas were detached (laughs) Yeah, I love that. I love that scene where he's um, trying to get back in the TA. That's a great scene. That is, and all the people have all got glasses. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Last two main characters is Twist Morgan, played by Katie Carmichael. Um, yeah, Twist. She is important to a certain degree, but she, you can see why she needed because Daisy needed a friend. Yeah, yeah. It would have been too male orientated. Yeah, I can understand that, but. She's, you know, she's. It's not, you know, she's not the most memorable character, and is she? And she's irritating. Yes. I know she's meant to be irritating. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and the last one is Brian Top, played uh, by the wonderful Mark Heap. My favourite character. Yeah. Why? Just because he's so odd, isn't he? He's really odd in it, isn't he? Because you, you, at first you think, oh, he's just really pretentious. Mm. Oh, he's, an art- he's, he's an artist, isn't he's he? He's really, really pretentious, but he's also generally a nice bloke, mm. and he's living a lie, isn't he? This is the, the thing with that. He's living a lie. He's told his family he's a, worked in a bank, doesn't he? Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's the funny thing. He's living a lie. You think he's this really confident art. He's got all the love, but he really isn't. He's a bit of a misanthrope. He doesn't particularly get on with people. But that was the, that was the nice thing about season two, where he he's with his mum and he, he you know and she actually turns around and he says, "Oh, I'm an artist." That like she's really proud of it, isn't it? Yeah. And it's kind of yeah. like quite moving, really. That is where he spent all his time and and he's held. He's, I guess he's a quite bittersweet character. I think most of them are quite happy-go-lucky in that. Most of them, you know what I mean? There's not a darkness to him, really. No. But there is to him, isn't there? There really is. Well, he, yeah. We yeah. we need when he describes how he does his painting. Anger. <laughs> Pain. Fear. 
Aggression. Yeah. You know, it's got, you know, it, it does kind of sum it all up, really. It's probably what you, you automatically think does go through uh, a, a painter's mind. The, the character of Brian Top was originally going to be played. It was wrote for um, Julian Barrett, who was the uh, the other partner in The Mighty Boosh. And uh, when you see the episode, well, when you see a program called Asylum, which was wrote by Simon Pegg and Jessica Stevenson, uh, I think they wrote it in you know, Better that one. But, um, Julian Barrett's in that, and the character, you can see where the characters come from, because you can see the character in that. Oh, yeah, and he would have, we've talked, we were, funny, we were talking about this the other day, he would have played it brilliantly as well, wouldn't he? There's no doubt. There ain't many things where you look at it, and you, most times when you see things like that, you see some test footage. Mm. Like the perfect example where you see, like, when you see Tom Selleck doing the thing, you think, oh, yeah, it'd be alright, but oh, yeah, it wouldn't be as good as, you can see why they picked Harrison Ford. Yeah, Julian Indi- Barrett, Indiana Jones, you mean that? Yeah, what did you say then? No, no, you didn't say what it was for. Oh, yeah, that's the <laughs> that, Indiana Jones, yeah. But I think that then, Julian Barrett and Mark Heap, you think, yeah, they both could have done it brilliantly. And, you know, we love Julian Barrett. He, mm. He's a really good actor, isn't he? And yeah. he's more like him in his real life. <laughs> that weirdly, he's a lot like yeah. the, the art. His character, isn't he? Really, you know, in even his real, real, you know, when he's seen him live, and he was always a, he's always a bit odd, isn't he? He's slightly, yeah, slightly... You see interviews, I mean, especially when he's been on Jonathan Ross. He's a very odd bloke, Julian Ab- Barrett. I'd say he's slightly abstract in an artist's <laughs> way. Um, now, the thing that makes Spaced is the homages to other films and other programmes. And, and you actually said, did, did you say that if you if you took out... Oh, yeah. The, the no, hum- I, just, I, I was just trying to be a devil's advocate here now. Mm. Now, I think you can do it with Quentin Tarantino, early films as well. Well, especially, like, especially in Glorious Bastards. If you take out the homage... Take all that the homages and references and little things, little bits of incidental music or whatever. How much would be left of space? I bet you're not a lot. And mm. I, did, I thought, when I thought, when I first was thinking about talking to this, I thought, oh, I don't want to bring that up. But then watching that extra thing on that box set about the, uh, the making of space, yeah. it's a common critique of it anyway, isn't it? Mm. And they even said they, they, they were rude about doing that, weren't they? And they tried to get rid of it more in the second series, didn't they? And I think that's the downside of it, because I think there's, you can do homages to stuff, and as long as it's incorporated extremely well in the script, it works. It's if you're just doing it for doing its sake, that's when you've got a problem. But I think Peg and Stevenson write it so well, and, and Edgar Wright his nails the direction of it. It works, and I, I think I think it's it's okay with, with spaced. I think it, I think it gets away with it, and I think it makes it. And that's I just say with season two because there wasn't an awful lot in that. That day does affect it. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, so I'm, I'm only trying to be a bit of a devil's advocate here to get a discussion up because we don't know how to be. Uh, <laughs> like, 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 we, like we need anything to get us talking. Um, yeah, that's a, it's an interesting <coughs> thing, isn't it? Hello, Waffleon boys. This is Casey sending you a comment from across the pond. Um, first of all, let me just say that I am so, so happy that you guys are doing an episode all about Spaced. I absolutely love that show. I think it's one of the best comedy shows that I have seen personally. Um, I wrote down a few notes, um, one of which is Space Equals Awesome, just because, you know, it is. I also wrote uh, Simon Pegg as Tim is possibly one of my favorite characters, just because Simon Pegg just wrote so much of himself into Tim, and it's so obvious, especially his uh, love for Star Wars, as well as his disappointment with the Star Wars prequels, which, you know... We can all understand, but, you know, that just brought this whole honesty as well as this huge comedy to it, so I loved that. Also, it's a great ensemble show. No one is weaker than the other, and no one is... Everyone's strong, but it's like 
everybody stands out together rather than one of the other. Um, although, I gotta admit, I love the woman who played Marsha. I can't think of her name right off the top of my head, but I love, you know, just walking up to my boyfriend and other friends going, Hello, Brian. <laughs> I love her. I think that is one of my, one of the best caricatures I have ever seen. And overall, it's just one of my favorite geek shows. I think it is the best uh, show in general to expose geeks to because, you know, lots of people like to put out the stereotype and, you know, I love the Big Bang Theory, I love Freaks and Geeks, but, you know, that showcases the stereotype. With space, you get, you know, they're still a little socially awkward, but they're normal and they're also kind of cool. So, thank you guys so much for covering the show. I cannot wait to listen to the podcast. And my dog is telling me to get off the headphones. So, I will talk to you later, guys. Bye. <laughs> um, so, some of the scenes that you see now, the, the very first episode, the one of the homages you see straight away, is that of The Shining. When they're being shown around a flat they're going to share, uh, run by, obviously, uh, Marsha, they open the door and there's two girls in the cupboard who have been cleaning, and they do the lines from The Shining. They, they say, you, you're going to be here forever and ever. And, and that is brilliant because I was like, whoa. And I think that's what's good about it because you say, man, that's The Shining, you know. And there's, I mean, there's, if, when you watch the DVDs, I've got the, let's see if I can say this now, the homage. Oh. Marjometer. Thank you. The amount of times we tried to do that last time. Yeah, you just say, uh, say, oh, I should point out as well, because I'll forget. After the promos on this episode, we have a special Easter egg. Let me say <laughs> it involves oh, cow's yeah. nails and yeah. me wanting to be sick. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> okay. Uh, so other, other homages to it is uh, the Scooby-Doo scene. It's a really good one, that, isn't it? Because he's wearing the shaggy clothes in it. He's really wearing the well. shaggy clothes, and she's wearing the – he's not Daphne. Velma. Yes, yeah, so, and, uh, and she's got the red jump on with the glasses on her head. And it's not until she pulls her apron off and the glasses fall down. They're both standing there. It's it's like, oh, man, it's so well done. Um, the Matrix fight scene yeah. <coughs> with uh, Kevin Eldon and uh, Mark Gattis. I'll tell you some of the little ones I love. I just love the ones that are really that somewhat modern people, where a lot of people who've been on the dole. It's like where the, the, I like the bit where she's typing and it goes into Murder, She Wrote. Yes. I, no, I love that homage, and I thought, yeah, because it's, it's quite obvious to do The Exorcist and all things like that, which when you do ones that not a lot of people know about, like, you're thinking, yeah, how do they know about that? Because obviously they've been sitting on their arse in the middle of the day, watching this crap British TV that somebody, BBC One in the day, like, diagnoses murder. Yeah, that's what I love, when they put, you know, I love that bloody one, it's really good. And do, I do, love, you love, do you love diagnosis murder? You like it, don't you? Yeah, I do, actually, I can't it's help terrible. it. It's terrible. I know, it's terrible, but the thing is, I'm, one, I'm always fascinated by Dick Van Dyke, because that man just doesn't seem to age, but his son has the worst hair I have ever seen. You and bloody hair, all the oil. Oh, hold on, mate. you're the one asking me about William Shatner's toupee yesterday. Yeah, that, that was true, that was true, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I totally agree with the, the in the middle, which might, of course might, actually no, because that, that, would, that would translate all over the world, wouldn't it? Because let's face it, Murder that She Wrote, he's on, he's on everywhere. Is it still being made? Angela, no, I don't think so. I think yeah. Angela, she's the worst bloody house guest you'd ever want one in your house. Wouldn't you shut the door if she was bloody walking up your drawer, if I can oh, tell you. I know, I tell she you was going to die in our house if she comes in. <laughs> yeah, you can, she's English as well, isn't she? You can keep her. Yeah, yeah she's born in England, yeah, yeah. yeah. She was on Paul O'Grady, you know, last year, talking about... Oh, really? Like, I, think, I think she has finished it now. Surely there can't be that many people dying. You know what they should do? They should have... Uh, her character Angela Lansbury no that's the actress oh, no, what's it? oh yeah what's she called Miss Jessica Fletcher 
Ooh, was that well nice? Thank you. Yeah, well um, <laughs> hey. you, just, you didn't just Google that, did you then? Are you, Bonnie? No, well, my keyboard's right next to the microphone, so you would have heard me typing. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, not that quick. <laughs> um, yeah, so Jessica Fletcher turned up in Midsummer Murders with John, uh, with Barnaby, and uh, Inspector Morse turned up. That would be a massacre. That, I'll tell you what, what, why have they never done more cross-feeding um, detective stories? I don't know. I used to love that kind of thing. Uh, anyway, 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 anyway. Uh, <laughs> back on, yeah. Uh, all the scenes, uh, the sixth sense scene uh, with the uh, the woman who's been hit by the bike. The the there's a little trivia fact for you here. The woman who turns up at the side of the car and bangs on the window and says, "What the bloody hell do you think you're doing?" To Simon Pegg is the same woman that was in the sixth sense. Honestly. Honestly, yeah. It's the same woman who got is killed on the bike. Bloody hell. There you go. How's that? That is well, that's worth worth me doing it today for that fact. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, another classic clip here. Uh, a clip. Oh, another classic scene. There probably will be a clip. Is uh, Tyres talking about his night out? So, uh, what did you do last night? Last night, last night was an A1 tip-top clubbing jam fur. It was a sandwich of fun on ecstasy bread wrapped up in a big bag like disco fudge. Doesn't get much better than that. I just wish sometimes I could control these fucking mood swings. Now I love Tyres. Oh, is a he is brilliant. And I tell you what, the actor who plays him, he's a he, he he's quite naughty bloke because even on the <laughs> even on that bloody documentary about it, he's a strange bloke, kind of, isn't he? Yeah, and he's had his teeth done on that documentary. Yeah, I, know, I noticed that. Yeah, <laughs> he also turns up in Shaun of the Dead as tyres. He walks past as he stumble past. He's he's one of the zombies. Yeah, he's got his uh, rider hat he's on. One of them supposed to be Chris Martin as well, isn't it? It's supposed to be Chris Martin. Chris Martin, uh, Tyres dancing at the Pelican Crossing. <laughs> He's brilliant. <laughs> because we should point out, Tyres is massively... In, in the late 90s, there was a huge dance scene in England, uh, in, in Great Britain, just went out, uh, which we were part of, uh, I must admit. Uh, let's not go any further. Um, yeah. and, uh, and basically... He, Tyres was always off his face generally and would dance to anything. There's a scene, which I think I've got the clip, of him uh, in the flat when they, the telephone's ringing. The, she's pouring water into a, uh, uh, into a kettle. The kettle's going off. And there's other stuff. And he's dancing to that, isn't he? You know what it's a bit like that? I'd love to talk to him about this where you know what character that's a lot like though? You know in Viz Ravy Davy. Yes. I ain't read Viz for years, but there used to be Ravy Davy and he'd rave at every noise, didn't he? I remember once when his dad fell down the stairs and he was raving at the bottom of the stairs (laughs) because he was a drumbeat. And I I'd love to I there must be some there must be some homage to Ravy Davy with that character. Yeah, must be I mean I don't if he's, if he's still going now. Uh, yes, it is. Yeah, I tell you what, we ought we ought to ask that is um, Woody because I think Woody still um, buys these, so we'll have to ask him. Yeah. Now that um, he's a Brit- <coughs> Excuse me. America are not going to know about Viz. You can't, you can't get more hardcore British humour than in Viz, can you? No, you can't. If you can get hold of a copy, please do. Uh, Michael Smiley plays uh, Tyres, and uh, uh, what, uh, he was saying that he basically was him then. He was uh, always going to club scenes. Uh, uh-huh. Uh, the A-Team Dad's club scene with Mike, uh, that is awesome, purely for the fact that you can't get hold of the hold of the actual tune. Why was that? Because uh, it was made specially for the um, for the episode. I bet there must be bloody bootlegs around a bit, though. There must be. There is. Ladies and gentlemen, I play you 
the dance scene with the 18 theme tune from Spaced. There you go. That's a treat, isn't it? Where'd you get that from? I copied it from the TV episode. <laughs> I, just, I, was, I was trying uh, to pick you up then. I was only doing something really mad, but you didn't. No, no, I just did what uh, what everyone else would probably do. <laughs> but thank you for the bigging up anyway. But is there, there must be bloody bootlegs around of that. Well, I, 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 I did look I did look on YouTube for it, and uh, there's a few versions, but it doesn't sound like Mike Pratt's version, who's, who's the guy who did it. Uh, I did it purely for it, but um, yeah. So there you go. That was that. Um, <clears throat> the slow motion gun shooting scene. Oh, that's an amazing scene, isn't it? Do you want to explain why that's so funny? Mainly, uh, yeah, mainly. But I think it's like what Eli Ruff says, isn't it? In the when you watch that scene, you thought you think, my God, that's that's all that young blokes do, isn't it? When you're young, basically. Uh, it, when you're young, um, when you're, well, we still yeah. do it. <laughs> uh, I know. But basically, men like to recreate. The act of, especially because of John Woo movies and stuff, that <laughs> they like to recreate the gun battles without any guns. Yeah. But I like the way that when people do it, they don't just do it with the guns. They even have the the, the explosions coming out of the chest, don't they? <laughs> That's it, yeah. And uh, there's a great one of them. You know, my favourite one of that is the one at the end of that one where they're doing all the gun battles with the kid. When he goes up the wall, yeah, and he pours like uh, oh, he's doing the blood coming out of him. Yeah, it's yeah. brilliant because even in the so they didn't even know he was going to do that, did they? Nah, nah, that but is it's awesome. a brilliant bit, isn't it? It's a brilliant and, uh, bit. Well, that, that was actually done as well. Um, only about a couple of weeks ago in London, in Trafalgar Square, it was put on Facebook that they were going to do a tribute to space with the slow motion shooting scene and uh, got a load of people there. And I think about something like a couple of thousand people turned up and on cue, they all did the shooting of the guns and dying. I mean, that is, and, and you can see that on YouTube as well. Edgar Wright's tweeted about it. Yeah, cool. Um, the Avigano drug scene. Now you're talking to someone who's, <laughs> who's uh, been caught up in such an event. Yeah. Well, basically, the, uh, Daisy comes back from where's she been? India and Asia, yeah. And she thinks that she's bought some amazing drugs, doesn't she? <laughs> yeah. And it turns out that she's bought oregano. Oregano, okay. and and that's what Tim gives the kid to demand uh, drugs off him. Yeah. He gives him that because he's in a toilet, you know. And this is one of the things where <clears throat> I mean, I've done it uh, terrible thing where when you're having when you've had a few drinks. And you're in the toilet, and you end up talking to the person next year. You'd never do that normally. 
Oh, Probably and it's a bad idea. And it's a bad idea, isn't it? It's Mendoza? a very, very bad idea because you know you will need to concentrate on what you do, especially when you turn around, you're doing uh, the Kiora advert, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it, can, it can get a little bit fast. And that's what happens to him in that episode. He ends up giving them sort of a packet of what he thinks is drugs, and it turns out to be oregano. Uh, brilliant. The uh, <clears throat> the there's two homages to 2001. Do you know what they are? In that uh, in that episode. No, no, just in space. Well, I'm not a massive. Now, I'm not a massive fan of bloody 2001 anyway, so it's hard for me to think so, you have to tell me. Uh, the one is the fridge. Um, it's called Cal. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, I didn't know, I've yeah. already know that till now. And it has, a, has a, a life of its own. And actually, the other one is not to 2001, it's Close Encounters, and that's the, uh, the Mash Mountain. Oh, yeah, but I love Close Encounters. Close <clears throat> it's a great film. And um, The Evil Dead. Uh, yeah. the, the, the obvious one is The Camera Angles. Uh, yeah. when, when, uh, when the, when the brilliant, the awe-inspiring Bruce Campbell is in the, uh, in the workshed and stuff like that. Oh, no, I bloody <laughs> love that scene, you know, because I think Evil Dead 2 is the greatest horror film ever made. Oh, and, 100%, yeah. yes. Anyway, I just love that bit because it's that insane bit in it. It's the bit where, where she's a bit getting really stressed, Daisy. And uh, Tim gives him a bit of his joint, and she goes, she goes oh, I, I used to get paranoid. And he goes, oh, no, you won't. And she gets paranoid, and then the whole room's looking at her. And it's that great scene where he's laughing with the grandfather clock. It's brilliant, isn't it? Oh, yeah, brilliant. It, uh, it, oh, that's uh, maybe one to watch. If I did too tonight, nah, I think I might watch it. And there's also the one in the, the paintballing scene where Mike puts the uh, gas canister in and goes, <laughs> groovy. Yeah, and there's the join us. <laughs> Yes, join us. The bottom of the stairs, isn't it? Yeah. Join us. Yeah. Join us. Um, yeah, Evil and Evil Dead. Uh, sorry, Evil Dead. Uh, Resident Evil on the PS1 is very prominent in it. Uh, mainly when he's been taken uh, very cheap speed and he's hallucinating at the end when there's all zombies around and he yeah. says the exact same lines that uh, the character oh, yeah, yeah. Resident yeah, Evil does, says. Yeah, the crap jack flesh out of it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The George Lucas clip now. There's a, a few things here that is uh, really hit us because uh, in season two, oh, season I keep saying season, but in series two, um, Daisy asks Tim how he's been. He's saying, "Oh, I've been dealing with some issues," and he goes, "What, Sarah, his ex-girlfriend?" And he goes, "No, George Lucas." And then you know, and he goes, "Well, I didn't think Phantom Menace was that bad." Oh, <laughs> I've had people say that to me. So how are you then, you big bloody man? <laughs> I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I've had a few things to work through, you know. With Sarah? No, with George Lucas. Tim, it's been over a year. It's been 18 months, Daisy. And it still hurts. Well, I didn't think Phantom Menace was that bad. To be honest, they're actually right though because it's not that bad compared to the other bloody two. Oh, Jar Jar Binks. Jar Jar Binks, the worst <laughs> idea ever. Uh, well, let's not go into that because way too no, people talk. Not a, star, not a Star Wars one. Little Ewoks. An entire empire brought to its knees by small furry creatures. That's my point exactly. Leave them alone. Brian, did you notice that everything that transpired in those three films, and I mean everything, can be attributed to the actions of one very minor character? Who? The gunner on the Star Destroyer at the beginning of the first film. How come? Well, <laughs> because if the gunner had shot the pod that C-3PO and R2 were in, they wouldn't have got to Tatooine, they wouldn't have met Luke, Luke wouldn't have met Ben, they wouldn't have met Han and Chewie, they wouldn't have rescued Princess Leia. None of it would have happened. Chaos theory. 
Eh? The predictability of random events. You know, the notion that reality as we know it, past, present, future, is in fact a mathematically predictable preordained system. So somewhere out there in the vastness of the unknown is an equation for predicting the future. An equation so complex as to utterly defy any possibility of comprehension by even the most brilliant human mind. It's an equation nonetheless. Oh my god. What? I've got some fucking Jaffa cakes in my coat pocket. Let's all play Kabaddi. You go on, Dave. And uh, John Sim. I've just thrown that in because John Sim makes a very, very brief appearance in it. And considering how big John Sim is now, you know. Well, I see he's like bloody TV royalty now, isn't he? Come, you know, he was. He, I think, I think round about the time he was probably doing the lakes, wasn't he? Doing the lakes. He might have been. Do you know what the first thing I saw John Sim in? Before the lakes. Was before it uh, that. Human traffic. No, before that. I bought it. I bought it on video. First thing I ever saw him was the lakes. So I don't. I've never seen before that. Boston Breakout. Bloody hell, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. that one set in Buddy Mil- like Milton Keynes. Yeah, with uh, Mark Warren, played the punk in it. Uh, Andrew... Um, Lincoln. Uh, Andrew Lincoln. He sees him on the telly, doesn't he? In, That's uh, it, yeah. Ah, yeah. bloody hell. There you go. There He's a really go. good actor as well, John Sim, isn't he? I wouldn't mind getting that film again. Great film, that was. Really good. Mind you, I'll tell you what, Human Traffic is awesome as well. I've been listening to the soundtrack in the car the past few days. No, that's a really good film. No, yeah. a, that was a film about, uh, about youth as well, wasn't it? With Richard Coyle. He's in that as well. Is he? Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, so I, haven't, have you, I haven't seen that film for ages. It's, not, it's never on the TV, is yeah. it? Do you want to bowl it? I'll bring it in. Oh, yeah, bring it. Well, I'll get it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all right, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, way too many other homages to... I mean, just go and buy the DVD because, uh, you, you know, you'll be amazed by it. Uh, so, let's you have a little bit of information about the actors. Go on, then. Okay. Um, <clears throat> cue script. <laughs> now, uh, as we said, uh, Peggy and Nick Frost have just written a film called Poor... And that's being filmed at the moment, and it's about two British comic book geeks travelling across the United States, and they encounter an alien outside of Area 51. Cal, that's got my name written all over it. Oh, it's got our name because that's going to be our... And they think it was, it, it was all about there being 40 as well, wasn't it? Yeah. And that's, yeah. You know, that's what me and you are planning to do with me 40 as well, isn't it? It is indeed. you want to explain what we're going to do? What are we going to do? We're going to go on a bit of a road trip and go to Comic-Con. Yeah. Even though... Well, it, well you know... We, you know, you don't know what's going to go on in your life at the time, but there's no reason why we can't do it, even if you no. just go for a few bloody days. But exactly. that's, we've, been, we've been talking about that since we were about, I don't know, in our bloody mid-20s, because we've always wanted to go to Comic-Con. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, let's talk about Simon Pegg. Peggy was born in 1970 in Gloucestershire. Uh, he first hit our screens in six pairs of pants. Uh, Asylum, <laughs> that's a comedy show, I should point out, yeah. not just turning off on television in the six pairs of pants. Uh, in the comedy show Asylum with Jessica Stevenson, uh, we know where you live, faith in the future, is this Bill Bailey? And that's where I first remember Simon Pegg from, actually, uh, was the Bill Bailey show. Uh, he was in Hippies, which should have been good, but wasn't. Uh, yeah. He was do you know, weirdly, it's, it's, I watched one, you know, last Friday night, because it's repeated on UK Gold. Oh, yeah. And it's absolutely terrible. But the people in it, it's got uh, Peter Sedovedovich in it. Yeah. He's, you know, all brilliant, something about it does, does not work. Yeah, it's strange, because it should work, because it was done by the creators of Father Ted. I know, just odd. I don't know, mm. it's one of them things. 
First I remember him as Big Train. Yeah, yeah, Big Train. Uh, well, after Space, uh, he popped up in Black Books. Uh, Big Train, of course, uh, we, what you just said with Mark Heap. Uh, I Am Not an Animal, uh, which was also uh, really good. Uh, he played the editor in Doctor Who. Uh, not a great episode. Uh, he looked more like Rufus Hound in that yeah. episode. <laughs> and uh, he played uh, a computer geek in Mission Impossible 3, where he got along so well with J.J. Uh, Abrahams, uh, he ended up asking him to play in, of course, Star Trek. Other film roles were Run, Fat Boy, Run. I'm not saying anything about that, but I do look very much like Simon Pegg in that film. Uh, he appeared in the Grindhouse trailers, uh, and, of course, two films that you quite like. Well, not necessarily like, but you could talk more about them than me. George Romero's Land of the Dead and Diary of the Dead. Yeah, very interesting. Well, um, well, basically, he's number one. He's a, he's a massive George Romero fan. There's no doubt that he's a big zombie fan, isn't he? Like, mm-hmm. like myself. And um, he had the honour to be asked to appear, especially in Land of the Dead, where he plays like a zombie in a human city, and he's like an exhibit of a zombie. He's t- him and Nick Frost are tied up to the tree. In Land of the Dead, he, what he does, he does a voiceover. Ah. He's, he's doing like he plays a news announcer talking about a zombie apocalypse. But they are, they are amazing. But we've talked about this. We're not massive fans of Simon Pegg films, though, are we? Uh, well, I, <clears throat> films are not the greatest, are they? No, I, I do quite like, well, I own it, uh, Run, Fat Boy, Run. I didn't um, like Big Nothing. I thought that was rubbish. I've not seen it. No. I didn't like that one where he's playing Toby Young in it. What's that called? Oh, How to Alienate Friend. How to Alienate Friends and Alienate People. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he's really, His films have not been as good as his TV work. No, no. Well, I mean, he's, you're going to see him soon in The Adventure of Tintin, uh, along again with Nick Frost, uh, they, they are doing the voices of the Thompson twins. Uh, the sequel to the new uh, Star Wars, uh, and also uh, this is something me and you are looking forward to: uh, Burke and Hare, uh, which is oh, good, yes. along with Andy Serkis. So that's uh, that's looking good, isn't it? Oh, God, bloody! Hell. Well, I'm going to Glasgow. We're going to Edinburgh. In um, I don't know if do you want me to have a quick summarise of the story. That people don't know. Go for it. Well, basically, if you don't know about this, but in, in Scotland, in the um, I think it was in the 18th century, that the, the doctors had to have cad- you know, was it cadavers to do experiments on, but you weren't allowed to actually, uh, you know, take bodies. So what the, the people used to do, the grave rob. But Burke and Hare, who were two Irish immigrants living in there, thought, well, why don't we just forget that? Why don't we just kill people? <laughs> and they were the first supposedly, serial killers who ran, killed about 13 people and give them to the doctors to perform on. It's a great story, and it's done by John Landis as well. And to me, yeah. what I've heard about it, it's going to be like, it's going to be like American Way Up in London. Which yeah, is he, he has said though, that. Which remember is a high thing to say, isn't it? Oh, of course. Yeah, apart from the fact that American Way Up in London wasn't a comedy, but... I know. There you go. Even though it was. Even though we... Uh, but to... We think it is, but Landis says it isn't. And, well, respect to the... Um, <laughs> to the uh, the director uh, Nick Frost born in 1972 in Essex uh, he had really no acting experience before Space but had appeared in uh, Jim's Gift which is a small TV program which starred Jim uh, Bolt from Bread Robert Loredan from Red Dwarf and Doug Bradley best known as Pinhead in Hellraiser um, oh, yes. not many people could say uh, they've worked with uh, Pinhead especially before they've, they've had no acting experience uh, after he appeared uncredited as a construction worker in two episodes of Big Train <clears throat> this is a time when he was sharing a flat with Simon Pegg and according to themselves the characters in Shaun of the Dead are really are pretty spawn to how they were apart from what we've just mentioned um, he's been in Manstroke Woman Black Books and of course the film The Boat That Rocked which you weren't too keen on that were you? Uh, no not really mm. I, don't, I don't really like um, the writer there I can't figure his name now oh uh, Richard Curtis I'm a big fan of Richard Curtis. Uh, and the god-awful hyperdrive. Then we don't like hyperdrive, uh, do we? Uh, we shouldn't even we shouldn't even talk about the H word on the 
No. No, because... Uh, <laughs> you know why? Let's... The Red Dwarf one, didn't we? Yeah, it's because thing. that was put on instead of Red Dwarf, criminal, criminal, and criminal again. And had about double the budget that Red Dwarf ever had, didn't it? Yeah, oh well, skip to the end. Um, Jessica Stevenson, now known as Jessica Hines, was born in 1972 in Lewisham in London, and... Uh, will also be seen in Burke and Hare, which is quite nice, along with Peggy. Uh, she was in two of the best Doctor Who episodes, this is in my opinion, ever, which was Human Nature and Family of Blood, and you still haven't seen them. No, I still haven't saw that, no. Really should, really should just seek them out and watch them. Uh, an old, uh, <clears throat> it's an old, that's actually an old Doctor Who story, a novel from um, The Seventh Doctor. Um, she was in Learners with uh, David Tennant, and she's next to be seen, of course, with uh, Peggy and Burke and Hare, she worked with him on that six pairs of pants. Uh, that's when they yeah, got together. I don't know that at all. No, really? no, there's, there's some on YouTube. I've watched a couple of things on YouTube. A bit very, very dated. But that's where they got together as writers, and uh, they did the, the short-lived comedy Asylum. There's some funny things in that. Just type in Asylum on uh, – well, Asylum, Simon Pegg. And uh, there's a great thing where he's delivering a pizza. Uh, it's a really cool scene. And we've already mentioned, of course, that Julian Barrett was in that as well. So – what about Mark Heap? This is where I've got an interesting fact for you. Well, I, I don't know. What, I know he's one of them faces. You've seen him around a lot. But all, basically, I remember Mark Heap from... He was the, or did all the best lines in Big Train, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's quite he old did, as well. He was the one who did that brilliant... That brilliant scheme, uh, scene where in Big Train, where he was the um, the boss, and he had to sack everyone. Oh, okay. and And he'd give him a kitten to put off, then run away, and he didn't see him flying a plane miles away. Yeah. <laughs> Every time they brought it up, he kept giving him a kitten or a flower or something, then he'd run off. Wasn't that the one as well? Wasn't there an episode of that where somebody was masturbating in behind the tree? <laughs> Simon Pegg, yeah. where they were all at it in the office, weren't they? Everyone was, even the women. Yeah. And they couldn't help themselves, could they? Oh, dear, Big Series 1, Big Train, is one of the great sketch shows. Oh, or oh, Series 2, just not very good at all. Yeah, no, they fell out, didn't they? The writers fell out. Yeah, okay, so uh, Simon, uh, Simon Pegg, uh, Mark Heat, born in 1957. What? Yeah, he's 43. In, ready for this? It's not West Midlands. <laughs> Kodiak Canal, Tamil Nadu in India. Honestly? Yeah. Was uh, his, his dad working there or something? I, yeah, it could be. He does come across as slightly maybe militaristic. Uh, yeah, I, I, don't, yeah. I don't know. I, don't, I haven't looked. I haven't looked he's, really he's a funny cat because even, <laughs> even in the documentary, he comes across as the one who's quite funny, doesn't he? He comes across as just quite weird. Even his hair isn't cut. He just looks weird. But he's, you'd love to meet him. That's the thing about him. Uh, he, he started out as a street performer. And one of his first TV roles, this is another fact for you, was on Les Dawson's Laughter Show. Bloody hell. <laughs> Uh, but really, it was Chris Morris, uh, Chris Morris' programs that really showed the fame. Uh, he was in Jam, and of course, Brassai played the paedophile in um, in Brassai. Ah. Uh, he was in the comedy series with Simon Pegg when I first saw him, which was, of course, what we just mentioned, Big Train. Uh, and lately, he has been in Lark Rise to Candleford, playing the postman. Uh, Julia Deacon, who plays Marsha Clyde, born in 1952 in Gainsborough, uh, which is in Lincolnshire, uh, has been acting since 1979, playing small parts until So Haunt Me and Oh Doctor Beaching. Uh, after Space, she starred in, of course, uh, Hot Fuzz as uh, Mary Porter, landlady. Uh, recently, she's been in Holby City, Doctors, and recently, The First Men in the Moon, which is uh, out this year. Uh, Katie Carmichael, who played Twist, was born in 1971 in Liverpool and uh, appeared in Bread, which is no surprise. Uh, it seems uh, anybody who's born in Liverpool has appeared in... Yeah, I mean, when you think about Bread, though... Um, Director Peter Howell when he did Sliding Doors, and uh, the guy with the curly hair was in Lockstock, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one with the, who has his hair shot off, doesn't he? Valley. 
Bally! He's brilliant, eh? I'm the bloody driver. He's brilliant, that, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Oh, awesome. Sorry, yeah. Uh, Kate Carmichael. Uh, yeah, she was in parade. Six pairs of pants. Uh, this is where she became really good friends with Jessica Stevenson. She was in Liverpool 1. And uh, since then, she's been in, uh, most famously, actually, was in uh, Coronation Street, Cutting It, and Mistresses, and most recently, uh, the awful BBC One programme, which is popular, but we don't like it, Waterloo Road. Um Big parts, the people who have sneaked into space, Michael Smiley, who played uh, Tyres, uh, was basically just him in that programme. Uh, born in 1963 in Belfast, uh, been in such a murder prevention, hustle, bleak house, wire in the blood, and will also be seen in Burke and Hare. God, I know, yeah. see John Landis was a big fan of space, though, wasn't he? <laughs> Definitely, it? I'm so looking forward to this. You know what, we should go and see that. We should have a, an afternoon off work and go and see it. Bill Bailey, let's face it, a legend of comedy. It was, uh, until we went and saw him live, he wasn't that impressed though, was we? No, well, it was at the NIA again. I mean, I weren't that impressed with Ricky Gervais there, but when I bought it on DVD, it was better. <laughs> yeah, we just, yeah. Oh, there we go. We've seen too many comedy things at the NIA and it hasn't worked. I, I can't think of anything we've actually saw that's been all right. We've mm. had the l- lowest point ever. And what was... League of Gentlemen. No, lower than that. Lower than that? Lower League of Gentlemen? Yeah, think about it. Oh, Little Britain. Little Britain. You remember that? Mm. Where we were sitting at the top throwing air paper airplanes. I know, throwing paper airplanes for 90 minutes. Oh, dear. Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, a great musical comedian, uh, born in 1965 in Bath. Uh, had his own, obviously, comedy shows uh, and has been in Black Books and Saving Grace. And, unsurprisingly, we'll be seen in Birkin Hair. <laughs> oh, <what? laughs> yeah. uh, Peter Serafenowitz. Um, who played Dwayne Benzi in uh, Space. He's just a awesome impressionist. If no, if I could oh. find his Alan Alder impression, 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 I'm going to play it now. I thought it was ludicrous, preposterous, uh, a, a ridiculous movie, and in very poor taste. And by the way, this movie did not give me diarrhea. If anything, I feel constipated. What? Oh, boy. Oh, dear. Uh, where's the bathroom? Show me where the bathroom is. Where's the bad? Hopefully, and I've just played and it. <laughs> and he's Beatles ones. Oh, and he's Beatles ones. Yeah, well, he's doing voices, isn't he? For the he's, new, he's doing good. well. He's playing the voice of Paul McCartney in uh, the new Yellow Submarine. Because he's just—it's uncanny, isn't it? Oh, he's brilliant. But if I if I say if I can find that Alan Alda clip, you'll have just heard it and there. It was the voice of uh, Darth. Sif, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, he played uh, Darth Maul in uh, Darth The Phantom Maul, Menace, uh, probably the only good thing in that film. Uh, he's done, uh, born in 1972 in Liverpool, which is probably the reason why he could do a good Paul McCartney. Yeah. Uh, he's got his own uh, comedy show, The Peter Serafinovich Show, available on DVD now. He was in the Stuart Lee Comedy Vehicle and Look Around You, which was a pastiche on the old um, science programs we used to get at school, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and a bit like Tomorrow's World, doesn't it? Yeah, so I don't think it'd work outside of England, but... Uh, nah, 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 there nah. You go. Uh, Right then, let's go on to the DVDs uh, before we wrap up. Uh, obviously, we, both me and you own the, the same box set, which is an awesome yeah. box set. But on the 6th of May in 2008, Edgar Wright posted on his blog uh, the press release about space for the American market. Oh, on Friday yeah. the 22nd, uh, 2008, via distribution by the BBC Video, strange because it's a Channel 4 programme, but there you go, includes an all-new commentary with the following people. Edgar Wright, Simon Pegg, Jessica Hines, Quinton Tarantino, no, amazing, isn't it? Bill Hader, Matt Stone, Patton Oswalt, Diablo Cody, and Kevin Smith. Uh, what is that all about? Why didn't we get that? Yeah, why not? I'd, I'd love to, I'd love, I, you know, have you ever saw any of that, the American pilot of it? 
Oh well, I was just going to ask. That was that's what I was going to end on actually. So I wanted to know what you thought. Have you seen any of it? Not, no. I'd love to. I've looked at. You can't. It's not on YouTube, is it? I'll send you the link. I've got it here. It's terrible. Is it worse than the Red Dwarf well, American one? Yes. Yes, no, it's in it. Yes. Norman language there, but that that deserves that word. It is. It is rubbish. It's shockingly, shockingly bad. The jokes don't work, and the fact that they was Simon Pegg, Jess Stevenson, Egg White wasn't even consulted on it says it all, really. In fact, that's that's just damn insulting. So yeah, the American remake thankfully didn't even get past the uh, the, the pilot episode, and uh, and won't uh, won't be ever seen. Well, won't be ever seen. Talk about bad English. Won't be yeah. seen again. Um, so that's our space episode. Uh, Cal, you said you had a, a few things you wanted to bring up about TV programs before uh, we go. Well, not just for me, because I thought you've got to give me some uh, undead news. Undead news. But you don't remember what we talked about, do you? Did you play that game on the uh, thing? Oh, zombie? no, the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. No, I haven't played it yet. Oh, yeah. We'll talk about it another time, then. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> you should have texted me yesterday to 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 remind no, me. No, that's all right. It was only a uh, uh, spur of the moment. No, no, I, that was all I was going to talk about. Really. Is it zombie apocalypse? Oh, I I tell you what I'll do. Once I've finished editing this up, I'll have a quick go at it because I know I've got Call of Duty, uh, the classic Call of Duty. I downloaded the free trial of that on um, on Xbox. Yeah, you don't even want to mention about the prisoner. Because remember at the end of the last prisoner, you were going to watch the prisoner, wasn't you? I've you watched it. Yeah, I've watched the first episode. Yeah, and you didn't like it, did you? Well. <sighs> You know what the the thing is is that I don't I don't I don't get him right because when Patrick McGowan's number six and he's number six not six number six wakes up in that room the great thing about it is the room is exactly like his his hotel room well he's he's he's, yeah, he's yeah. right and he wakes up and he's thinking what's 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 happened here that was a bit weird what happened and then he opens his window and looks up and you can see the look of what the f- is going yeah. on here. What the? And he runs out of the house and he's looking around and he's like, <clears throat> I didn't get that with Jim Cavell. I didn't get it. He woke up and he was like, oh. And then and then you get the bloke being chased. You see him being shot at. There's dogs barking. He finds him. Now, this is an old man in the middle of a desert, right? He's dying in front of you. You don't think about yourself. You don't start turning around saying, where am I? What am I doing here? You think, first of all, you help the old geezer, listen to what he's saying, and start thinking about the fact of, well, hold on, why are they chasing him? You lose all that. They didn't even talk about it again. The village doesn't look sinister. It looks like a Butlin's holiday camp with son. Um, number two, Ian McKellen. Well, the guy can't do any wrong, can he? No, no, he can't. He's right, so I'm not, I can't criticise him. And he, he's awesome as a number two. And he's, he's number he's... two, not two. And the thing with him is, how he's, like you said, it's the way he's eating the cake at the end, isn't it? Very, very, how, very, very scary. How, how can you have scary cake? Wow. He makes cake scary, doesn't yeah, he? He, he, he? There's a sinister, there's sinister thing about it. Uh, but I don't, I just didn't feel it. I didn't feel there was something sinister about the village now I, I, okay i know it was different in the 1960s because um cold war and everything cold war it? and there was the thing of the old big brother but because we're so used to cctv cameras now i mean the great thing about the original prison he was constantly being watched he was it was all about surveillance yeah. and nowadays we'll always be yeah, under yeah, surveillance we, we we used to walk down the street and knowing the police can see us uh we we, we have credit cards which was brand you know in in the prisoner they had cards where you had like credits on it you know these are things that didn't exist in 1966 and we we have them now and we're used to it but imagine suddenly having these things in the 60s and being under surveillance it's a it's a horrible thing and mcgoohan portrays it so well well the episodes that he was meant to have brought out not the extra ones that we talked about that crap had that had that edge to it in this one well 
you know, you're used to being under surveillance. There's nothing scary about it. If I had uh, something that was in the future brought to a modern world, then you could understand it because it'd be really like suddenly he was beamed away from somewhere or transported yeah, yeah, yeah. somewhere or, or something like that because it, it, it can't happen now. It might happen in 20, 30 years' time or something. Well, maybe yeah, yeah. Or floating cars or something like, you know, that that's something that would, would happen in 40 years' time. But there was nothing of that, and I thought the other characters were one-dimensional. I didn't believe the uh, the love interest, supposed kind of thing in it. She didn't come across as warm. The, um, the, the only other guy that did come across pretty good was the cabbie. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's really good. He's, isn't he? he's, he's an awesome actor, actor anyway. Uh, but I mean, I'm no, not, I'm not giving up on it. I'm, I'm going to no, watch no, it because I think it was yeah. some weird stuff that was quite good. Like, there was the 911 thing, and it was just really odd, wasn't it? Because you didn't know what was going on with that. Oh, were well, the but two you towers could, in there? You see the twin towers, but you didn't yeah. know. But I know it's been cancelled anyway, hasn't it? In uh, in America, it got cancelled, didn't well, it? Well, there was only meant to be six episodes, isn't there? Well, no, because I heard um, <laughs> Jim Bloody Blah saying that they were going to make more, but it was cancelled after six episodes because they were going to have the story after he escaped from the village. Well, that, so, that, what's the point in doing that anyway? That's a stupid thing because the whole point is in trying to escape the, the, the prisoner. In essence, I don't want to go on a rant here, but I mean, because me and you have talked and talked about this over drinks and whatnot. Um, the Prisoner is one of two things. It's either a fantastic spy drama, drama yeah. uh, about a guy trying to escape his captivity to get back home, or it's a psychological drama in which, in essence, you are a prisoner. The only person that you are a prisoner of is yourself. You yeah. can escape anything. You can run away from your family, your friends, your job, your house. The only thing you cannot escape from is yourself, and that's what The Prisoner is generally all about. Um I don't think I don't get that gist in this new series. I don't feel that. I don't. Yeah, think it, I think I think it's one of these things they're going to find out when it's like, oh, you know, because I saw quite. But it doesn't it. work, does it? Because the no, thing is, that you've had Lost, and yeah, Lost, it, Lost in essence is, is like is yeah. so much from the prisoner that Lost takes, and also to a certain degree stuff like Fringe, exactly. uh, stuff like that. You know, you know Boyd Hilton who writes for Heat, he was saying exactly the same. He said that the problem with it is, is because you've got Lost now. Mm. Lost does it on a, such a bigger scale now. You know, you know, I think it was such a program of its time as well. It really was. Well, it's psychedelia. Yep. And they've stripped all that out of it. And without all that in it, there's not really that much to it. Oops, sorry. <laughs> I've just knocked everything over. But yeah, but no, I won't give up on it. I'll, uh, I'll be watching episode two tomorrow. Well, I'll probably take it because you'll be here tomorrow night. I'll tell you the one thing, though, Meds, I will say about it. Compared to the dross that's usually on ITV, it's good to have her. He's got a, a, a TV program with an imagination. Because mm. ITV is terrible for sci-fi and fantasy. Terrible. Not, there's not one program you can think of like that. You know, there's Primeval, which was bloody rubbish. Yeah. So it's at least it's adult science fiction. But, you know, summed it up, though, that was that, you know, 11 million people watched Britain's Got Talent last week. Right. You know, that was on straight afterwards. Mm-hmm. Dropped down to 3 million people. Really? Sums up Britain there, doesn't it? Mm. You've got an idiotic program where you don't have to think for yourself, where you just laugh at people's misfortune, or a program where you might have to actually put some time into it and think about what's going on. No one cares. No. They'll turn over and watch the other program about Britain's Got Talent. I think the trouble is, though, is that it is on quite late on a Sunday night. and Saturday night. Sat- is it Saturday night? Oh, yeah, of course, Saturday night. Yeah, so there's no excuse for not watching it, really. Oh, there you go. So it's Britain, though, and it means it's not the way we hate modern Britain. We have another hour debate now. Let's, we'll do that. Yeah, let, let's see that on the leaders' debate. Excuse me, yeah, can yeah. you tell me why there's no decent science fiction and comedy on British TV anymore? Yeah. Gordon Brown. 
Yeah. Oh, well, uh, uh, oh, it's Nick Clegg's fault. Oh, well, thank you. There you go. <laughs> Anything else you want to uh, want to say before we log off and no, go? No, I think I think that'll be enough. And uh, what what are we going to be doing next? Is it the t- is it the children's one or is it the Chris Morris one? It's the children's one next. The children's one, the one with the special guest on it. Uh, yes, which I've got to interview. Uh, better sort that out. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about classic television that we was brought up with. So it's going to be probably classic TV that was made in the 60s and that we saw in the 1970s. Uh, so please do send your comments in. We've already got one comment in, uh, which came in in November uh, by, uh, from Anthony from uh, the Scuttercast. So I'm looking forward to playing that. I better make sure I've got that because you know what my... Uh, my stance is so far with keeping things on file. Not very good. <laughs> um, so yeah. we're going to play some promos now. And as I say, there's that Easter egg at the end just to keep you uh, keep you listening. Uh, thanks, Cal, for joining me. No worries. No worries, mate. And uh, we'll see you all next month. Take care. Bye-bye. Goodbye. If you like a good science fiction story, then you'll like The Martians Are Here podcast by Australian author Stefan Sonnen. The Martians Are Here podcast is a science fiction serial around 15 minutes per podcast episode set in the not-too-distant future. It's a story about two alien species from very different origins who bring their ongoing war to Earth with disastrous consequences for humanity. told through the eyes of five people who must piece together what's going on in order to survive. This is what happens when biology, technology, and adaptability collide. The Martians Are Here podcast on iTunes and on themartiansarehere.com. Hello, I'm Meds. You're not Meds. <laughs> and I'm Kel. You're not Kel either. I don't even sound like them, do I? I'm trying to. Yeah, I sound like sure. the Geico lizard. Yeah. Sorry, I don't mean to do that. Anyway, hey, we love Waffle On. Waffle On's fun. I just love the podcast. Meds and Kel, you're so cool. By the way, this is Rick. And this is Amy, and we are the hosts of Take Him With You. It's the weekly podcast where we discuss our geeky Moyer home. Yes, we are geeky. And we're really fun, though. We talk about our faith and how it relates to the world around us. And I absolutely love Star Trek and heavy metal music. It's just too much fun. And I tolerate Star Trek and don't like heavy metal music at all. (laughs) What do you like? I like reading and quiet music and home and garden TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You like some British sci-fi stuff, right? You know, I do like some sci-fi. I I really do, but um, just I'm not as passionate about it as you are. That's okay. We lived we've lived together for 24 years, and uh, it's okay. Opposites attract, and we're still we're we're still married, eh? Yeah. Eh? Yeah. That's Canadian. That's not English. Oh well. I say we go have a cup of tea. In, indeed. Indeed. Indubitably. I can't even say that. You do like tea, though. I do like tea. Yes. Earl Grey. Hot. Well, anyway, if you get a chance to listen to our podcast, do so. It's at takehimwithyou.com, or you can find us on iTunes. Just look up Take Him With You. And you can hit the little subscribe button, and it's free. Yep. 
So thanks, Meds and Kel. Have a great day, and uh, thanks for uh, letting us do our promo. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Tea time. Welcome home, Miss Steiner. Thank you, Dick Brock, just before you did. You Lando. Take a seat, Miss Steiner. Oh, I tell you, before you do that, I tell you what, look at this. Right? Give me a finger. Right? Mm. I don't know, this is what now. <laughs> hey? This is what. <laughs> What you know, when I bite my nails now, right? Oh, no, I don't. No, I don't. What? Oh. But you try a bit. This is what my... You know, people's going, how oh, can it put you off? Are you going to stick on my nail, then? Yeah, right. right okay. Just a little bit of bite. Right. Now, you taste that. Do I wear right. two dries? No, it won't hurt you. Don't, it's not poisonous. Right. Just, no, no. You try it, try it, right? Hold on, I've just ate a load of chocolate. It's all right, it's, it's all right. It's all right. Try it. Are you sure I'm not supposed to wear two dries? No. I don't. You're not meant to touch it at all. Oh, great, so you No, but no, you know what I mean? You're not meant to have it. Try right, it. Right. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> <laughs> no, do you see what I mean? Oh, God. Do you see what I mean? No, people go, how can you not be oh, you know? give me something to drink. See what I mean? I told you it works. I'm scared to swallow. Ah, <laughs> oh, quickly. No, I told you, I didn't. No. Said, if this don't work, nothing's gonna work. Nothing's oh. gonna work. Okay, yeah, that. Yeah. Oh, that's. Oh, God, it won't go away. <laughs> if something. Do you think that was wise to actually do that before we start recording? Sorry, just really quick, about five minutes. What it is, I, it, what it is. If you were to have it, <clears throat> just put your tongue dry. If you dried your mouth, it wouldn't taste like it. It's just yeah. saliva reacts with it. And it causes an acidic reaction. I bet it reacts more when it's fucking wet, isn't it? <laughs> oh, bastard. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>